Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. All right, I am super excited because I have Sean Chido sitting here with me. If you don't know who Sean Chido is, then... Oh, you have a problem because this is an amazing, amazing man. He was my very first interview, and I did that on purpose because without Sean, I would not be who I am today as a leader. And so he is my COO of all of my companies, and we are also partners with Next Level Salon Leadership Business, and we've been coaching salons owners and managers for quite a few years, and we'll talk a little bit about that during this presentation, but I am really, really pumped up this morning. I'm going to call this session called Be a Leader, and it's really about the price tag of leadership. Yesterday, just yesterday, I just posted on Facebook, I asked people, I said, what is your greatest leadership challenge? And I can't believe the response that we had, Sean. Like, it was amazing. And and Sean started to um, respond on it, and I thought, Sean, I'm pulling you up today because I want to be able to talk about some of these challenges that leaders face. And and to be honest with you, Sean, I've been in business for 21 plus years, my husband even more than that, and I don't think people realize the actual price tag of leadership. I think um, many times, and I know I did too, I always thought it would just be fun, <laughs> fun and games, and I really got into it in my mind for some of the wrong reasons. And then once I started to figure out my why was so much stronger and I started to learn leadership tools, things really started to shift for me. I'm definitely not where I want to be, but you can attest to this, John. I'm definitely not where I was. We talked (laughs) about that in the very first podcast. And let me ask you, Sean, first, before we start going through the scroll, because I'm going to share with you a common... Uh, challenges that people are having. And I want to share all of these with you because Sean and I constantly coach salon owners and managers with the same exact challenges. So I know if these challenges are out there that some of you listening to this are going to say, yes, I have the same exact challenge. So first and foremost, I'll share mine first, but what's your greatest leadership challenge? So if you're listening to this and you can write, write down what is your greatest leadership challenge. And and I actually thought about this this morning, and I have a lot of them. Uh, I really do. Um, but my greatest is exactly uh, what John Maxwell speaks on is just leading me. And it's leading uh, who I am as a person. And there's a couple areas that I'm really trying to grow right now in 2019 and one is uncovering my blind spots and the one person that speaks truth into me is my daughter (laughs) so she always says to me she says mom you need to match people's level of intensity she said you don't do that she said you're very intense sometimes and it scares people and so she said get you know go to people's level of intensity whether I'm meeting somebody for the first time or or whether I'm coaching somebody and so that's an area that I'm really really working on is uncovering my blind spots building safety into my leader so that they can help me uncover those blind spots and Next is appreciating my employees the way that they should be appreciated. I think uh, I fall into that trap of, of, oh, well, they get paid or I tell them how great they are, um, but that's not how they want to be loved. And so I love the five languages of appreciation because every single person in this universe sees love differently. For me, it's acts of service. I know you are the same. We're both acts of service. And, uh, but many of our staff, it's words of acknowledgement. It's words of appreciation and it's quality time. And, you know, so what love language are you and are you loving your people? And so I'm really trying to unfold this right now, Sean, because they're so, our team members, I don't want to lose them. And I feel like the reason why we're losing them is because of my lack of appreciation, and it starts with me. So that's what I'm really working on. So what's your greatest leadership challenge? <clears throat> it's funny that you said that because um, we obviously didn't pre-plan this. It wasn't a thought process, but I would—I was instantly, when, when we, you just asked that question, I instantly thought of myself. 
at first, just like you. And I think that because we're so much alike, we're, we're the hardest on ourselves. And mainly that's because I want to be the best for my team. I want to be the person that believes in them more than they believe in themselves. Mm. And a lot of times, you know, we're, we get in that leader mode or manager mode, I guess you could say, and we put tasks before people. And I think that that's really been a big focus for me over the past six months is really not even time management because we all have the same amount of time in the day. It's really about priority management and what is the most important things that you can do for your people and yourself to really move that needle to where you want to be. Mm. That's really good. I love that you're speaking my language, priority management for sure. And, and first and foremost, priority management is building appropriate, solid relationships with our team. And, and I think the biggest challenge that I see out there, especially with salon owners, Sean, and I know you and I attest to this, is a really bad relationships, like not appropriate. <laughs> it's not like you'll see these types of relationships that they think, well, I build a relationship in the bar. We drink, um, we swear together. I share with them everything happening in my life. No, no, that's not a solid, appropriate relationship. Share, share with everyone what you think a solid, appropriate relationship is and, and what, what do you work on to build that? Well, it's funny that you said, you know, building those inappropriate relationships, which, you know, going back before, you know, I started this growth journey, I definitely had inappropriate relationships. I, I thought that they were relationships and I look at now what solid appropriate relationships are and I think it's about adding value to people. They add value mm. to you, you add value to them. It's not about what can you take from them or what they can take from you. Like Each one of your interactions needs to spark your potential, leave you motivated, and add value. Those are solid, appropriate relationships. And I'm not saying to add value by always being that yes person. And, you know, adding value means telling the truth, being mm. honest with them, having those conversations that, you know, hey, this is what I observed. Let's move through it together Ooh. In instead of just accepting negative or, or wronged behavior. That's so powerful that you said that. Let's go through it together because how many years did I run so far ahead of you and all of the directors And because leaders see more and more and more before and the whole goal is to slow down slow down so that you can be with your people and you keep hearing it's lonely at the top why are you so lonely it's because you went ahead of your people like go back to your people and going up the hill you know think about mount everest if you're climbing mount everest you're going to go with people it's going to be so much more fun maybe it's not going to be as fast but it'll be a lot more fun right because everything worthwhile is uphill but the problem is we all and especially me, have downhill habits. So it's building the second part of um, the price tag of leadership. The first one was build appropriate solid relationships. The second one is self-discipline, right? Learning that self-discipline, which I think is awesome. And it's so cool because one of the first questions that we received yesterday, or the first challenge that someone um, mentioned is keeping everybody motivated for the common goals. Well, I know, so let's look at this. Keeping everyone motivated for the common goals, and, and you responded to this last night. I responded, and without really knowing all the facts and really digging deep and saying, okay, well, what are your common goals? And first of all, are your goals written down? Is your vision written down? Like, because I don't believe that anything is a system until it's written down. What is your vision and how do you share it? And you ask that question. So how would you answer that question, Sean? How do you keep everybody motivated for the common goals in our company? So we look at the schools and we look at the salons. Well, I think the first thing is that you always have to be casting the vision. You really have to keep the, the goals or, you know, what it is you want to achieve this quarter or you have to keep that forefront. You have to have real clarity about it so that you could ask any person on the team and they know where you they know where the ship's going. 
it's not just the captain that knows where the ship is going. Everybody that is involved, because we're all working towards that common goal. And when, and when you find that you know, you're having a challenge motivating people, that's when the relationship comes into play. And that's when you have mm-hmm. to know your team. Because motivation has to come from within. Yes, we can, we can spark motivation, but that needs, to lead, that needs to lead to some sort of action. Think about when you go to a motivational speaker. You feel great that day. But if you don't take what you learned and put it into your life, then that motivation goes away. Yes. You know, this is crazy. You're saying this because I love that you said the clarity because we learn how to be clear is to be clear, be clear, be clear. (laughs) So clarity. And so it's over and over and over again. And I love what when Claybaugh taught us in the Palmetto schools, he said, well, first of all, how do you train a dog? Sit, sit, sit. My dog still doesn't sit, you know, <laughs> he's three years old, you know. And so when I think about that, and I know people aren't dogs, but, but we're human beings. We're, we're not human doings. And it's not their vision. It's your vision. And so you really have to build buy-in. So casting vision, but it's really build buy-in for the vision. And so how, I mean, we're still talking about our vision statement with Paul Mitchell schools, like what, what's our vision? It's building up uh, successful and happy future Future professionals. professionals, Right. And so we're still building that. And it's years later, you've been in the company for nine plus years. I've been in the company since 2001 and I still have to stall and, and say, okay, wait, wait a minute. Is that action is, is it casting our vision? of happy and successful future professionals. And then people step back and say, oh my gosh, I don't think it is. Like every decision we make, every decision is that casting that vision. And so it's over and over and over again. And he responded back and he, because you asked, you said, you know, how often are you casting that vision? <laughs> and he said, which we hear from salon owners all the time and business owners because they're always working in their business and not on it. And he said, I'm casting my vision every day. I work behind the chair Tuesday through Friday. So I'm talking it about them and showing them while we're working. Well, first of all, how... How are you really talking? Like, what is your vision? Is it even written down? How many salon owners do we coach? So the first month we spend just on foundation. And part of foundation is we talk about vision. We talk about what's your vision statement, right? What's your mission statement? We talk about what are your value statements? What are they? None of them are written down. And most of them have not a clue. They've been in business for years. And so that would be one of the questions I would ask. Is it in writing? How often do you discuss it? And uh, we just had that challenge with our salon. And uh, I asked, I kept asking the salon team on stage because we were teaching, you know, hey, what's, what's our mission statement? And they stalled. They, they couldn't remember because it's my vision. It's not theirs. So I have to build buy-in to that vision. And, and it's in the business of changing lives. And so we decided to start giving out an award of someone that changed someone's life. And so we're going to start working on an award system so we can keep it front row and center. So always making it a part of your culture, making your vision a part of everything that you do, right? Mm-hmm. That vision statement. So what else can you add to that? Well, I think when... Specifically talking about, you know, salon owners and you're the one that's that's behind the chair every day that, that you're open. And, you know, like Tina said, what type of relationships do you have with your current staff, your current team? Being somebody that is fully booked and fully busy, yes, they're, you're, you're leading by example of what, of what you do, but have those expectations to have those expectations been expressed? Are they written down? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they clear? Are, you know, is, have you focused in and given clarity to your team of where you see your vision going? Because it's one thing to have it in your head and think that you know, you're doing it the right way and stuff, but the, the key to knowing if you're doing it successfully is to ask your team. Mm. Ask your team if they know the vision. Mm-hmm. Because it might be that they're not following your vision right now because they don't have a clear idea of what your vision is. And they should, if they are on your bus and they are on your team and they, they believe in you and they, then they believe in the vision, 
but they don't know what it is. And yeah. That, and that comes back to us. It does. And I asked him, you know, in the thread, I said, I said, okay, yes, I love it because leadership is better caught than taught. And I love, like you said, by example. Um, but here we go. If you help people get what they want, they're going to help you get what you want. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I asked him, I said, what's their motivations? And he said, well, that's the thing. He's like, well, everybody has different motivations and you have all these carrots and, but it's, it's a lot of work. Well, yeah. That's the price tag of leadership, right? And it has to be, I think, I think it goes back to so much more. You could dig in just this one question, Sean, because it has to go back, like, are you all about profit? And for us, our vision in our salons and our schools has always been people before profit because we lead people and we manage systems. So the price tag of leadership, I would say number four is leading people, right? And it's just like, it's not only just leading them, but I, I want to change the word and just call it loving people, nurturing people. That's the price tag of leadership. Talk to, talk to that process. Like, how has that been for you? Because I know that hasn't been an easy task because you love tasks. <laughs> you love, you like, just give me what, what you want me to do and get it done. And then all of a sudden I'm like, no, Sean, this people we're dealing with right now, we're, we're counselors and coaches, we're everything. Like, how have you dealt through that? And give, give advice for that person. It's like, man, I'd rather just do like, and I don't want to do this part of the business. You know, I think back to probably just in the past three years is kind of when the the shift happened and <clears throat> everybody that that works that works with me knows that I love tasks I love task lists I that's just my thing <laughs> Task like, master <laughs> I, lo I love I love to check things off I think that you know I find real value in that in that for me however what I didn't realize in, in all in all these years that I was so focused on getting things done that <laughs> I was I wasn't focused on what really mattered. I was mm. putting tasks before people and because of that I felt that doing so much we were going to get ahead. I mean, I was I was the person that got the mail like what that, that is adding no value to to anybody. If if anything I was hindering the team. I was hindering the growth process. Like we were at a standstill and that's because I was focused on every task that needed to be done instead of the people and the three key things that I can do today mm. that can move us towards that vision. I focused on 85 tasks and, you know, that just wasn't, that wasn't a thing. And, you know, one of the things that I was so good at is I was email. I was an email king. I thought that that was, that was everything because I was communicating and I was communicating and, but what I was doing is I was reacting and responding to what everybody else needed instead of focusing on our vision. Mm. And, and when you realize mm -hmm. that, that an email is more of a distraction. And when you want to think about, you know, priority management, schedule email time. You know, don't start your day reacting and responding when you know that there's, you know, you've already looked at your schedule. You know that these three things are the most important, impactful things that you can do today to move forward. So why start your day reacting to what everybody else needs when you have a clear vision? I love that. That's been part of my self-discipline process, and it's so hard, Sean. Uh, but it's kind of like mail. Uh, when I get mail in, in the mail, you know, actually snail mail. <laughs> if you guys know what mail is, it goes in your mailbox. <laughs> okay. And when I get into my mail, what I'll do is I'll only pick out things that are personal mail, and it looks like fun. And otherwise, the bills and everything, I don't even look at those. And that's how I treat my email. It's like, that doesn't look like fun. This one looks like fun. I'm going to pick this one. And so in the morning, I only pick the fun ones. If it's from you, I know it's fun, so I'm going to open it, right? And uh, But I'm like you, Sean. Later, it's like, okay, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, when I'm most tired, when I need coffee, that's when I do my emails. And because I, I don't need a lot of brain power, right, to do that. And so I don't want to use up my greatest brain a resource in the morning because that's when I need to write. That's when I need to do things like this, the podcast, things that I need my brain to function, doing one-on-ones and being able to really, really 
help lead my people. And I love that. So that was number four, lead and nurture your people. And I made number five, priority management. We're going to jump into that as well too. But but I want to jump into, man, this is going to be like a five series podcast because we have some really great information here. And I hope you stay with us on this uh, Be a Leader uh, session uh, that Sean and I are doing. But number two, um, this came from another person yesterday, and she said that her greatest leadership challenge is having uncomfortable conversations, letting go of control, and letting others do certain tasks, even if they don't do them the way I do them. Now, this is twofold. First of all, it's uncomfortable conversations. Let's unpack that for everybody because, oh, trust me, I'm still still having a hard time with having uncomfortable conversations and and this is our in our what third or fourth month it's on communication it's on having accountability conversations with your team we spend an entire month in next level salon leadership with this Sean and we go through some great books but I haven't graduated I don't I hope I do someday through this of having uncomfortable conversations let's unpack that how how have you been able to grow in that? Because you're really great at it. I watch you and I see how you stay so calm under pressure. I know that um, I, John Maxwell talks about making sure you don't have, and make sure you have emotions with right thinking. And you always step back and you don't speak out of emotions. You always step back, let me get back to you on that. Let me think about that. So Talk through that process, how you have uncomfortable conversations. I don't think conversations have to be uncomfortable. Mm, that's good. I think any conversation can be comfortable if you're having it for the right reasons. Ooh. Yes. And an uncomfortable conversation, if, if you're uncomfortable because you're holding somebody accountable, let's say, is it in writing? Were you clear on your expectations? Then that conversation isn't uncomfortable. Because you're not, you know, an uncomfortable conversation is when you're calling them out for things that are inappropriate or things that, that don't matter, you know, because it sounded like what she was saying in there mm -hmm. is like she's having a hard time with accountability. That's, mm -hmm. that's what I hear out of that when uncomfortable situations. So what's ultimately happening is there's a challenge holding the staff accountable, which yes. makes her uncomfortable, which then the staff can feel that she's uncomfortable. So now they're uncomfortable. But if, but if you have clarity... And you have expectations, and it's written down, and you have a relationship with that person. Conversations mm. aren't uncomfortable. So the price tag of leadership, so number six is accountability conversations, right? And, uh, and so I love, let's unpack that a little bit, because you said put it in writing. Let's, let's talk through, um, maybe you can think of a situation that we could share with somebody that, um, that, that we've had maybe recently or in the past um, that we've, we've had with people. So, um, you know, cause I always think about some of the biggest challenges is dress code. <laughs> okay. So we'll just throw those on easy. Let's do an easy one, right? It, we're in the beauty industry and believe it or not, we actually have um, stylists or team members that don't do their hair or makeup or wear the appropriate clothes. And it's, you, you would think that we would never have that challenge, right? Cause we're in the beauty industry, uh, but we do. And so like you said, like walk through that process of what that would look like. Well, again, it goes back to, you know, we're fortunate enough that we have the systems written down already. We have, we have the, the guidelines of what a dress code should look like. We, the expectations are clear it says what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. So to have this conversation, it's, it's, very, it's, it's very much an easy conversation because you, know, you can show them in writing. You can pull it right out and say, do you remember this? Do you, do you remember when we went over this when, when, in, during your onboarding? Do you, do you remember us talking about this? You know, and chances are if you're having a challenge with somebody's dress code, there's a different thing that's going on there. It's probably not about dress code. Mm. There, there might be underlying issues, whether it's at home, maybe something happened at work, maybe you've broken trust with them, or maybe, you know, maybe it's a cry that they just want to spend time with you. You know, so there's, there could be a lot more that's in this than just dress code, but if you have that system in place, you've opened the door for that conversation. 
And that's where, that's where it starts. Wow, Sean, uh, you just hit what I think is number seven is the price tag of leadership is you have to know how to read your people. And so you have to know how to read their non-verbals as much as their verbals. And so you hit that hard. And, and you know, the first month on foundation and next level salon leadership, we spent all of our time saying, is that in writing and keep it a living, breathing document. Make sure your team knows that you can change it at any time. You can add to it. And honestly, all your written systems are is a list of all of your screw ups. That's all it is. So if you start thinking, man, I'm not sure what my values are, um, but all of a sudden one day you see someone walking late and you're upset, you're like, oh my gosh, one of my values is that people are on time always. So let's put that in writing. One of my values in our company is to make sure that everyone is dressed appropriately. And so like put it like you said, make sure it's clear. How do you how do you communicate? Be clear, be clear, be clear. And so reading your people. So let's unpack reading your people because that is definitely like I, I said. Um, me trying to match people's intensity, reading people. We were coaching our salon leaders yesterday. And it's harder when you're not in person with that person, in, in person with that person, and we're just on the phone talking to them. It's, it's hard on Zoom enough as it is, but just talking on the phone and listening to the size and to them not speaking like they're silent for a second, right? It's, it's very painful. And in my head, I'm like, oh gosh, I want them to know how much I value them. How do I share that value? But at the same time, hold them accountable to our systems because whole, like part of it is making sure they're not gossiping, making sure they're not complaining to the other team members and holding them accountable to that, to a higher level, right? And so unpack that a little bit. Well, something that you you say pretty much on a regular is, is what's not being said. Yes. And I think that goes back 100% to reading people and thinking, okay, so this is what you're saying, <clears throat> this is what I'm hearing, but there's more to it. And it's being able to find what connects you to them to be able to pull that out. Mm. That's good. You know, is is there that safety there where they they have nothing to not not say? You know, it's very easy when when you have safety with somebody to to spill the beans basically, let everything come out. You know, and and then it goes back to where where are you with them on that you know, you think about the five levels of leadership. Where, where are you? Are you a positional? Are, are you an influencer? Are you, are you at the pinnacle top? Like, you know, so where are you with that person? Mm. And, and always be thinking that, like you said, it's uncomfortable when those silences are there or you hear that sigh because you know that there's more there and you never want to be pushy about it. But if you ask the right questions, the uncomfortableness becomes comfortable. Wow. Okay, so I think you just unpacked number eight of the price tag of leadership, which is building safety. And I think it goes back to, you know, everything worthwhile is uphill. Stop going ahead of your people, like start to link arms. So building that safety, oh man, that's an art in itself. But I think first and foremost, people know when you like them and they know when you don't. So first of all, they're thinking, do they care about me? And can I trust them? And can they help me? And those are three questions that I'm always in my head. I'm like, oh, I sure hope she or he knows I care about them. I sure hope that they think they know they can trust me. And because I think one of the biggest fallacies, which scares me to death, is people always think, oh, am I going to get fired? Like, they're so scared. The minute you say, hey, I want to talk to you, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. It's almost like an innate thing that people grow up in. It's it's part of the trauma of growing up, you know, because your your parents are like, get over here, Tina, you know. <laughs> and so your first thought is, I'm in trouble. And it's a fight or flight at that moment. And you're kind of freaking out in your head, right? And so building trust is so hard. Unpack that. How do you build that safety with people because I know you've done an incredible job in our companies. You and I mainly lead our leaders and our schools, but it's taken us years to get there. Years. So unpack that because we kept running far ahead of them. And then all of a sudden I said, wait a minute, we got to slow down <laughs> and meet them where they're at. Unpack that. 
Well, that's that's just what it is. As as leaders, we're naturally doers. We're, we see more. We're we're always ahead as leaders. And I think you know when we talk about what's changed, you know, going back ten, fifteen years ago, as managers, you were ahead. Like it was it wasn't about bringing your people. It was about you do this because this mm-hmm. is why. Mm-hmm. You know, like just listen to me. I'm the boss. That's how it. That's how it was. And as we've transitioned into actual leadership and, and the new way, you you can't go this alone. You can only get so far by yourself. And I think as leaders, we all want so much more, and we see so much more that you've you've gotten yourself where you've gotten yourself. In order to go those extra miles, you have to bring your people along. Yes. Yes, and I think that goes with uh, the leadership book that we're using with John Maxwell. Uh, we're doing a mastermind right now, and it talks about are you a soloist or are you a conductor? And I think that fits so well in the beauty industry because there is this um, thought process that, man, I'm going to make so much more money hmm. if I go into a salon suite. Like, you know, the, the salon owner is taking all my money. <laughs> <laughs> taking 50%. Um, uh, no, honey, uh, we're lucky to get 5 to 9% net profit in our companies. We're not taking all your money. <laughs> and so, but let's unpack that because if you're a soloist or a conductor, like being a conductor, you accomplish so much more because you have the whole orchestra working together versus, you know, let's say you're a guitar player. Like you got you're listening to the guitar, right? Or an orchestra. Same thing as a business owner. Like, what are you? Like, you've got to bring your people along with you and you need to learn those shifts that you need to make, right? And so that's part of the price tag of leadership is making constant shifts, right? Because the the definition of of insanity is what? Doing the same Same things over and over and expecting a different result. And I feel like I fall into that trap sometimes of thinking, okay, wait a minute. And and I'm coaching my people, Sean, and I'm thinking, okay, if everything rises and falls on leadership, why are my people stuck? Why are they not having a solution in their mind? And I think that goes with her next question that she said. She said, letting go of control and letting others do certain tasks, even if they don't do them the way I do them. Sean, you used to struggle with this. So un- unpack that as part of the price tag of leadership. Letting go. Let go. <laughs> let go and not just let go and let God. Let go and let your people do it. <laughs> well, that's, that's where the true growth happens is when you let go. Because you've, you've gotten yourself to where you've gotten yourself. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Think about the three things or even five things that move you towards that common goal or that vision or get you closer to what you hope to achieve this week, this month, this year, and delegate everything else. Delegate. That's good. You know, I, a, good, a good rule of thumb is if somebody can do it 80% as well as you, delegate that. Delegate that because that puts you in line with what can be the most prioritized, productive time of your day. That's really good. I love that you said three things that only you must do. And that's something I've really developed a self-discipline habit. And in my book, Be a Planner, I have it laid out to be able to do that. So I, I use that. But here's what I hear all the time, and I know you do too, Sean, is they're like, I don't know who to delegate to. And that goes back to foundation, setting up a really great organization chart because all great companies have organization charts. Why Why do companies, first of all, have organization charts and what are they? You got to know who you're accountable for and who you're accountable to. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if, if we don't have that, it's we're all just trying to do everything with accomplishing nothing. You know, because with an organizational chart comes... A job description. It's, it's going to tell you exactly what your expectations are. You know, and it goes back to being clear and how and how important you know that that really is. And at the end of the day, what's the worst that can happen? So, yeah. so you de- so you delegated something, 
and it didn't work out, then guess what? That's a life learning lesson. That was an opportunity for that person to learn and grow. Yeah. But how often did you have to like, I I kept saying to you, I kept saying, Sean, don't just give them the task, show them how to do the task, link arms with them until you feel 100% confident that they could do it. Either if it could be done 80% of the way you do it, that's good enough. But if it's something like, man, they're balancing out the drawer, that's got to be 100%. So you're going to stay with them for weeks, months at a time until you give it away, until they show that they're able to do it. And don't you think people would feel more comfortable? My goodness, like, could you imagine if you put me on the front desk right now? Like, it would take you a year. First of all, you wouldn't do it because you'd fire me. But it would take you a year to link arms with me because I'd be like, no, Sean, help me. I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And so it's leaders are readers of people, so they know if somebody is ready to take on that task right Mm -hmm. so how did you shift through that process because you're so patient with people like you're so patient with me and I love that so much about you and I feel like you make people feel safe with you how do you do that well I think the effort and time that is put in up front will pay massive dividends in the end Mm. so what I'm willing to invest time-wise with somebody so that they can understand the purpose of of the task or what the task looks like yes up front it might it might take a lot longer than expected but in the end the end result will be so much better than what was expected okay so we we just unpack number nine is let go and let uh, your people do <laughs> number 10 is invest time into your people mm-hmm. and let's let's unload that just a little bit more because let's give the reality of how much time we now spend with our team and that really came with coming up with a really strong communication plan and we still are building that with our salon team since you were shifting and changing again leader shift where you know keep doing the same things over and over right that's the definition of insanity so we're trying to keep from being insane and come up with really fun ways to communicate how long did it take for us to really get a good appropriate system with our leaders our directors it's it's been a journey. I think I think it still is. We're still looking for for ways to improve and improve that relationship and improve that connectedness mm-hmm. that that we all have. I mean, on a Monday, you know, you and I spend four hours with them. Yeah. We. I, I mean, every mm-hmm. Monday we've done this for years now. Mm-hmm. That's 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 what we do, and it goes back to what I said. Put the time in the front, <clears throat> and then in the back end, we'll pay way more than you ever expected, and we would not be where we are with the schools or the salons running the way they are if we didn't invest in our people and give that time and let them know that here's the vision, but we're side by side with you throughout this process. I love that. I love they said side by side. And it's so true because we not only invest time in uh, priority management and system management, we're really great with that, but we're even better at developing leaders. We even formed our own program within our schools and, and it's voluntarily, they can join it. It's called Leaders Made Here. And so we invest, talk about investing time. That's three times a month, well, twice a month in group calls. And then who's ever on that, we spend an hour with each person. So we're talking 10, 12 hours per month, Sean and I are in spe- spending in Leaders Made Here and developing leaders. Talk a little bit about that program and how people can get that started in their own companies. You know, well, it, it comes down to when we look at our teams and and how to invest in and how to grow them. We just put this out here. We kind of painted a a semi clear, a little a little vague of a vision at that time because you know we're still working on growing and developing it. Like we're gonna change up the next course that we do a little bit. We found okay, so this works better. You know, so we painted that vision and we offered it to whoever. You know, we have eighty staff member and we said if you're interested in this, reach out to us. Let's let's get started. And the ones that came on board, you know, so we cast the vision every single month, which is really three deep. You know, there who's who's the next up? Who's on the sidelines mm-hmm. that that wants to play? Who wants to be put in? You know, like think about that. Like they're on the sidelines and you know, why would we wait until we have to put them in 
when we have an opportunity to let them try it now. And this is, I guess you could say, the scrimmage. We're, we're in a scrimmage state. But when we get to the actual, you know, Super Bowl, do you have enough players to put in if something happens? And that's where we kind of had the the idea of all this because we looked at each other and said, we necessarily don't have enough developed where we would be okay. Yeah. You, you know, I think that that's kind of yeah. where, where we were like, okay, so let, let's dig into this a, l- a little bit deeper. And, you know, so we talk about emotional intelligence. We talk about your strengths. We, you know, we talk about the importance of a disc and how all of that collates together to make us successful. Yeah, we're developing people, aren't we, Sean? And, and personally and professionally, because we know that leadership starts at home. And and I think it goes to one of the next challenges that someone posted last night on my Facebook page. And I want to unpack this one. It's a strong one. And he said favoritism. And yeah, as a leader, we show favorites big time because, you know, you said it, you know, we want to build three deep. So you think about football players and my son, he played football, right? And so he sat on the bench most of his years. He was just like waiting, put me in coach, you know? And so what we developed this program leaders made here is, Hey, do you want in? Cause if you want in as a leader, join leaders made mm-hmm. here. And so 10% of our staff joined 10%, some schools, 0%, right? And so we're like, okay, they're not ready to be put in. It's okay. I'm going to honor their journey. I'm going to continue to cast the vision. Every time we're together, the vision is we develop leaders in our company. So that's my vision. And so I want to continue to cast that vision and say, this is what I'm looking for. And I think one of those elephants in the room, Sean, is you show favoritism. I hear it over and over and over from students. I hear it from staff. And I heard it from uh, a man said it on my Facebook page, okay, was favoritism. And so, yeah, we do show favorites to the visionaries, to the people that we feel are going to jump to the occasion. And I'll tell you, my best people are the ones who come to me on a consistent basis. You were one of them. And you would say, okay, how am I doing how could I do better? But you would actually write notes, Sean, and you would follow through because I've had a lot of people ask me, I have a lot of people right now, how can I be better? And I tell them nothing gets done. I don't hear from them for months. Nothing gets done. And so those are the same people that are going to be in the back room or complaining to other people. Oh, they show favorites. It's politics. You know, they just throw out that word. This is politics. Let's let's unpack the elephant in the room right now because I think every leader deals with this. Absolutely. Favoritism. Something I've heard for, for a very long time. And like Tina said, it's true. We, we definitely, you know, we have our go-tos. And I was guilty of this for a very long time. However, those ones in the back of the room could be just as capable as the one that you go to. We have to look at everybody for for the potential that they have inside of them. As as a leader, we have we have that ability to let them, you know, borrow our belief and instill potential in them that they might not even see. So by asking them to take something on, you're, you're casting away that favoritism. Yes, we, we have our go-tos that we know 100% that task will get done. Mm-hmm. But again, maybe they're just on the sidelines waiting to be put in and we never have given them the opportunity. Yeah, I love that. And and I think one of the price tags of leadership is to train people how to be a leader. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the greatest books out there is by John Maxwell called The 360-Degree Leader. And so building safety, number one, is how do you lead your leader? And so am I leading by example? Do I lead my leader? Do I share challenges with my leader? And I do I go to them? Yeah, I was so scared in the beginning, you know, crying and just scared. Now it's so easy. It's easy conversation and but I have to leaders have to show the way mm-hmm. of leading your leader and and so for me it's my job as a leader to train my people not only to lead your leader but how do you lead your peers oh man is it so hard to lead your peers like I 
I don't know if I'll ever graduate from that one, John, because <laughs> leading your peers is so hard. I can lead my people. It's so easy for me to do that. That's the easiest, right? And then, but leading your peers and then leading your leaders and, and but the most important is leading yourself because again, transformation begins in me. You cannot fix and change your people. You have to fix and change yourself. When you do, all of a sudden you attract all the right people into your life. And that we really call that the law of the lid. Don't we, Sean? Because the people that come to you and work with you aren't going to be better for you because they're not going to be working for you. They're going to work for a better leader, right? <laughs> and so who you are is who you will attract. So invest time in your people is number 10. And number 11 is be a 360-degree leader. And the next one I want to talk about is balance because I think this is really funny because I don't think it's really balance um, as far as – a. A leadership challenge. I think really what it is, Sean, and, and I've unpacked this for years, is really finding like your happiness quotient, so to so to speak. And for me, it's finding my non-negotiables, making sure um, I make sure for me it's physical and it's spiritual. When that's in the tank, man, you can tell, can't you, Sean? <laughs> Tina, Tina must not have worked out today and Tina must not be eating healthy today, right? And I know, and spiritually, I've got to keep those always under wraps. Like my life depends on it. It's like food and water for me. My life depends on it. My happiness depends on it. My leadership depends on it. Everything. So that's one of the price tags of leadership, I think, is uh, leading yourself to your non-negotiables. Mm -hmm. You know, and making sure that, that you're staying, like, there's nothing worse, Sean, than a leader that walks in the room and you're like, man, which way are they going today? Like, if you have to watch your boss and think, are they going to be in a good mood or a bad mood? Like, are you that leader? Do you know what I mean? And so that's a price tag of leadership. You got to always be on. Like, what happens? Like, let's talk the latter. What happens when you're off, Sean? It's definitely a, a trickle-down effect. And I think as, as a leader, we never want to show our sides of, of being off or, or being negative or being down or, or whatever that is. You know, our team looks up to us to be that, you know, beacon of hope, that person who's, who has the belief in them. And if, and if we're off, my, my advice is to send yourself home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Send yourself home. I, I think that that's, you know, it's something that I have done in the past. doesn't happen very often, but there are times when you can no longer add value to people in your day because you're just not in that headspace. Yes. It's, it's, time to, it's time to go. Send yourself home. So, yeah, price tag of leadership is you've got to be balanced. Like, you have to always be on because people do what people see. And there's nothing worse, Sean, than a hypocrite. You might be sitting in a staff meeting, and I know this has happened to me so many times, and they're probably thinking, Tina's talking about dress code right now, and she can't even comb her hair. Do you know what I mean? And so you have to think about, like, am I a hypocrite? So constantly asking yourself, Am I a hypocrite? So you have to always be on price tag of leadership. Guess what? You signed up for this. <laughs> but you know what? The benefits reap and they're so joyful that what happens when you're a leader. Let's talk about the last one. And that was on um, time management of workflow. And I know this is something that you've been really, really uh, working on um, as far as time management of workflow and going through Brendan Bouchard's course. And we've been doing a mastermind on his book, High Performance Habits as well too. So talk through that process. Well, he actually just sent something out that I want to read to you guys because it has some statistics that are like, whoa. Because everybody always talks about, you know, time management and I have to get more in my day and I have to do this. You know, but the average American spends 37 minutes per day on Facebook. Mm. So let's break that down. 37 minutes, seven days a week, 259 minutes, or 4.3 hours per week, which equals 17.2 hours per month, 207 hours per, per year, which equals to eight full days. Wow. Eight full days. So <laughs> that's, that's insane, insane. How, how this, how this breaks down, you know? So then you think, so you've used, you've used your Facebook um, and now we're going to throw in some other distractions that you have, whether that be someone came in the office and let's just say it's 60 minutes per day, 
equals 30 hours per month, eight full work days. Um, so just by losing 90 minutes per day to social media and general distraction or disorganization, you are losing 70 full work days per year. 70 full work that days. Is, that's that, a that good is, vacation. Too. That is two solid months. <laughs> wow. So, so when people talk about, you know, I don't have time for all this. I don't have time for all this. Well, it's really about your priorities and where you're investing your time, mm. you know, and we have to get real clear on our goals, our vision, our focus, you know, because when you're easily distra- when you're distracted, it's easy to become more distracted. You know, I think of, you know, when you watch TV, what do we do when we watch TV? We don't sit there and just on one channel. We channel surf. We're constantly going. And what that's doing, it's the same thing when we scroll through social media. Our brains are making decisions for us. Do we want to stop at this post? Do we want to go to this post? Do we want to watch this channel? You only have so many decisions you can make a day before your brain is just not as effective. So why would we waste our time on things that aren't moving us towards our goal, which goes back to what I talked about in the beginning, how important it is, or what are those Mm. three things that you need to focus on? What are those three things that are most important that are going to move that needle? And those are the things that you need to focus on today. Everything else is just stuff. It's stuff. It's, it's distractions. And when you start living by distractions, Mm. You're living by impulse and interruptions versus intention and inspiration. And I think that we all want to inspire our people to to be more, to be better, you know? And that starts with what are we doing? What are they seeing? What are they witnessing? Are we are we that running around chicken with a head cut off because we're trying to do so many tasks? Or are we focused and intentional about what can add value and move the needle? I love that. So I, I'm going to call number 13 instead of time management, energy management, right? Managing our energy. So where are you investing your time and, and choosing those three most important things to help you move the needle? And I think uh, one of the biggest things is making sure you're investing time on yourself and making sure that energy management, so in a consistent mode of a growth mode. You know, when, when I think of balance, Sean, and I look at professional, physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual, I set my own growth plan every single year for those areas. And so how am I going to grow? How am I going to invest my time an hour a day, two hours a day, whatever that might be? Sean, it started 10 minutes a day. You know, I built up. It's just like working out. You're not going to go to the gym, you know, five days a week, three hours a day, you know, you, you fall in love with working out. Same thing as a growth plan. Once you start watching yourself grow, you want to start investing in yourself. And I've watched you through that process. Cause at first, when I started, I became a John Maxwell coach in 2013. And then two years later, you're like, I want to do this too. <laughs> like put me in coach. Like I saw Tina change, you know? And so it's so true that transformation begins in me that when you start to change, people start to change. And I've watched your your team start to invest in their self as well, too. So talk through that process. Like, how have you fallen in love with growth? I, nobody wants to be stagnant. You know, I think as, as human beings, we, we want mm-hmm. more. We all want to contribute. We all want to add value. We all want to live our best life. I think that... That's like so important. That's like so heavy on me right now is that, you know, live your best life each and every day because you never, you don't get this day back, (laughs) you know, and this could be the last and live it like it is your best every single day. And in order to, to offer that and be more, we have to grow. We have to. And And that comes down to taking the time and investing in, in yourself, whether it be podcasts, online classes, books you know it's it's for me you know we talked about balance something that's extremely important to me is intellectual and learning i i spend a lot of time learning the most random things because my brain's hungry for it but that fills me back up and as leaders if you're not balanced and not taking care of yourself your bucket's empty and you Mm -hmm. can't give what you don't have and we know as leaders we're in this to be servants and to give to our people but you have to be taking care of of yourself too and that that comes down with you know where are you spending your time what's really important Mm. what really matters um and what's moving that that needle towards your goals and towards your vision you know we don't just want to move papers around or or get tasks done you know because there's a difference between 
being efficient and making yourself strategically relevant, different, and contributing. Wow. Okay, you hit this so hard, and I want to end this with um, as far as investing in yourself because we started Next Level Salon Leadership, and you manage the Instagram and the Facebook page, so it's under, is it NL? Uh, NL Salon Leadership. And NL Salon Leadership, so make sure you find us on Instagram and on Facebook, and, uh, and we go through a six-month course, and we decided... Uh, you know what? Ugh, salon owners are not investing in leadership. They're investing in technical, a lot of technical out there and doing really great with their cuts and colors, but they're not spending time on their people. They're not, first of all, like you said, put your own oxygen on mask or mask on first, right? Before you help other people. And so when you think about that is, wow, what are you doing to put your own oxygen mask on first? Take our course. It's a six month course. It's no one's ever done this course before. We only allow, and what I love about us, Sean, is that we're not only uh, coaches uh, for, for this business, we're coaches and we're consultants for the salon industry, but we're leading by example. There's not many out there. There's a lot of coaches out there that do this for a living. They get paid for a living. This is like a little side gig because we want to add value. And my number one reason is because I was watching my students graduate and leave the industry after two years. They were disenchanted by their leaders. And I said, instead of complaining, I'm going to be a part of the solution and I'm going to help train salon leaders. And so that's what we do. We spend six months, take them through a short synopsis of what we do. It's, well, it's going to be six months, and we have two group calls every single month, <clears throat> and obviously we focus on the five strategies of a healthy business, a different strategy each month, and we also have one-hour one-on-ones every month to really offer whatever is where they're at, <laughs> whatever we can do, whatever questions they have, you know, and we, we, have, we have worksheets. Um, we have a lot of thought-provoking questions that we kind of go through. We have a lot of dialogue. We talk a lot about, you know, people because it seems like, you know, Anthony Whitaker says the biggest challenge in business is staff, staff, staff. Mm -hmm. We spend a lot of time, you know, that's why even most of this podcast that we've gone through has been in regards to relationships and relationship building. And that's something that, you know, Tina and I are in it on a daily basis, not just a salon with six people, you know, the companies that, that we're part of, we have over a hundred staff members that we're interacting with on a daily basis. And it's really about having those relationships with them and, and that, and that reality. And that's something that we spend a lot of time focusing. We talk about anything that they want, but we spend a lot of time about their visions and their goals. And it usually stems with how to grow their people. It's powerful, Sean. And with the last um, thing that they said on my Facebook, someone said, she said, that she's having a hard time finding the right people. <laughs> and I laughed because we spent a whole month just on hiring. But really by that last month, they're already prepared because who you are is who you will attract. So mm -hmm. number 14 price tag of leadership is you've got to invest in your leadership because when you do, people line up. Do people Are people lined up to work with you? Because if you're not then take this course <laughs> and trust me, I love teaching this course because I learned something new that I need to shift in my leadership every single time. And I know you and I attest to that of thinking, okay, how are we going to shift our company this year? How are we going to shift? We're constantly shifting things, constantly changing, change or die, baby, right? Change yeah. or die. And so that's the last one. So join, join our group. We actually have uh, half off. Is it like half off or a thousand dollars off or $500 off? And uh, it's a $1,500 course, which is so, so um, cheap. Trust me, this should be a $50,000 course <laughs> because it's that good. It's so filled and packed with information. It'll change you. It'll change your life. It'll change your family's life. It'll change your company. It'll help you to grow and become more happier. I think that's the most important thing I've watched with the salon owners. They've become happier. If you sign up by September, you'll receive the $500 off. And uh, we start this course in, every year in January. We only do it once a year. Sean and I are busy. We only do this <laughs> once a year. But
but we want to help you. We want to add value to you. So that's only for salon leaders. So if you're a salon owner, a salon manager, a salon director, it's only for you. Uh, so you can message us at Tina at tinablack.net and we can get you signed up for that as well. So Sean, I just want to thank you. What last words of encouragement do you have for everybody as we close out this podcast? To really become clear on your vision, clear on your mission, <clears throat> focus on those three things each day that can move you towards that and really do your best to add value to people and live your best life daily. Hmm. I love it. I love you, Sean. Thanks for being on. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.